This is Jesse Bernhardt, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Shriver. Snyder with scores! Pinnell scores! Hands off for Rabel, switches hands and scores! Kylie Omiller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Alright, so welcome up to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. This is episode 72. We're going to talk the PLL entry draft today with Dan Arrestia, but the biggest news, of course, is the NLL suspending its season temporarily because of the coronavirus. Um, we're just going to start right off the bat with this on this podcast episode. Uh, we did record earlier uh, with a, a section with Dan Arrestia, which you guys will hear a little bit later, um, where we talk about the entry draft players coming over to the PLL, including the big name Rob Pinnell, but I do want to start off, unfortunately, on a sour note with the NLL suspending its season because of the coronavirus outbreak. Um, this obviously comes off the heels of not just the NCAA deciding to cancel all spring sports, um, but also the NBA had an outbreak and decided to suspend their season, uh, which you know the NLL quickly followed after, and then they were followed by the NHL and the MLB also announcing uh, that the seasons were temporarily put on hold. Um, until they could figure out how to contain this coronavirus outbreak um, that is, you know, sweeping the globe right now. So um, very unfortunate. I think the NLL handled it in the correct manner. They put out a statement, and the commissioner, uh, Nick Sakevich, actually released a video. So we'll play a little bit of that video right now for you. Nick Sakevich, commissioner of the National Lacrosse League here. Greetings to NLL fans, athletes, coaches, sponsors, valued partners, and members of the media. These are truly unprecedented times, and at no point in over three decades of the National Lacrosse League did we expect to be faced with the current set of circumstances surrounding the coronavirus outbreak. We find ourselves in a truly unpredictable, evolving scenario which is changing by the day. I wanted to take this moment to connect with you and let you know what steps the National Lacrosse League and all of its member clubs are doing to address the COVID-19 virus. The League Office, in consultation with our medical and infectious disease professionals, has been closely monitoring the outbreak of the virus, and we are taking all necessary actions to be respectful of the health and well-being of our fans, our partners, our athletes, coaches, team staffs, and the communities we play in. We have been taking the lead along with our fellow professional sports leagues and working hard to stay in front of the developing situation. Aligned with what makes sense given the current information, It is in the best interests of all to temporarily suspend play until further notice due to the concerns over COVID-19. We understand the challenges that come along with this decision and the impact it has on everyone. However, it is health and safety of everyone that is our top priority and always will be. With game day postponed, we are actively working to reschedule competition and team events, address ticketing policies, and adjust the NLL broadcast content offering with our partners at BR Live. We will communicate with you updates, decisions, and plans as they are determined. We will continue to get daily updates from government officials and health leaders around the world, and will make any adjustments needed to ensure the safety of everyone who attends one of our events. We encourage you to follow CDC's and Health Canada's recommended steps to prevent illness, and please stay safe. We know that the world can't and won't stop moving, because of this virus, and we are confident all the proper steps are being put in place to get through this as soon as possible. We've heard from many of our fans, and the NLL will be there for you. You have our commitment today and every day 
that we will continue to connect with you because it's more important than ever to choose an attitude of support and safety. Thank you for your amazing support of the National Lacrosse League and see you soon when we resume play in our great arenas and our great cities. So that is Commissioner Nick Sakevich talking about the measures they are taking to address the coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. This is a big deal for the NLL. Um, obviously, they rely heavily on the revenue they make from these ticket sales and from the arenas. Um, so putting it on hold is going to, you know, unfortunately maybe affect their bottom line. We don't know, you know, if these players are going to be getting paid. These workers at these arenas aren't going to be getting paid. So it's going to have major ripple effects. Um, it's very unfortunate, you know, for a league like the NLL. Um, as well as, you know, the other professional leagues, um, the MLL and the PLL, if it does affect this upcoming summer, you know, this is uh, some trying times. And I think, you know, it kind of shows the seriousness of this coronavirus outbreak. There's no knee-jerk reaction here. Like, this obviously was a calculated decision by the leagues. Obviously, a domino effect coming from the NBA's decision. But, um, you know, take this very seriously. Uh, You know, and that's that's kind of where we're at. So hopefully the NLL will be able to resume in the coming weeks uh, with no issues, whether that means, you know, extending the season into the later summer months or, uh, you know, maybe, you know, shortening the rest of the regular season and, you know, going into the playoffs right away. Um, Who knows? Uh, We'll keep you guys updated. Um, But that is our update on the coronavirus. Very unfortunate, you know, also for, you know, those college lacrosse players whose seasons have ended, especially the seniors. Um, You know, this was their last season. So, you know, we send our regards to them as well. Whether the NCAA will grant them another year of eligibility, we don't know. But that really can't make up for a lost season. Um, And, you know, this is going to have effect on the summer drafts, too, if players do decide to return next year. But enough doom and gloom. Uh, let's take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then Dan and I will break down this PLL entry draft and who we think may go number one overall. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, the Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. Where's Rob Pinnell? You should play in the PLL. Finally. Yes, finally, Rob Pinnell is a member of the PLL. Uh, really to no surprise to anyone. We all heard the rumors that it was happening, but it is made official by the PLL in a video that they released on Monday, as well as 15 other players from the MLL that will be joining the PLL this summer. Uh, we're going to break down all of those, give you that full list uh, in a little bit. But I, I want to welcome our Pro Lacrosse Talk contributor and Pro Lacrosse insider Dan Arestia to the show once again. Uh, he was on the show for the first time last week, and we're glad to have him back. Uh, Dan, welcome back, and how's it going? Doing okay, doing okay. It's been obviously a big news day for um, for the PLL in terms of the entry draft. The news around college lacrosse has been just just a wild day in general for uh, for lacrosse fans. No, for sure. We're going to definitely break down that entry draft, uh, all the people that are available. Um, but to start, let's do our quick stick. We'll start off with the NLL. Uh, David Ayers... The Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies, as well as the emergency goaltender 
for the Toronto Arena, came in and played for the Carolina Hurricanes, and ended up beating the Toronto Maple Leafs to become the oldest goaltender to make not only his NHL debut, but to also secure a win in the NHL. He was making a lot of media appearances, and Saskatchewan took advantage of that. They had him at the Saskatchewan Rush game. He actually got in net uh, at the pregame and took a few shots. If you haven't checked out his story, I highly recommend it. You know, he had a kidney transplant uh, when he was younger, nearly 15 years ago. And to be able to, you know, come into an NHL hockey game, it's just a tremendous story. So uh, really kudos to the Rush for having him out at that game. And in some other news in the NLL, Commissioner Nick Sakevich announces that the 14th NLL team has been decided on. Uh, they've chosen a U.S. market, although he did not reveal which one, um, and it will be revealed in the coming months. So a lot of speculation is that it's going to either be Dallas or Vegas. Um, we don't really have any more information on that, but uh, it is exciting to know that that announcement will be coming soon. Let's talk about guys that are re-signing with the MLL. Uh, Mikey Schlosser re-signs with the Denver Outlaws. We had him on our, our podcast earlier, um, so he will be back with Denver. Alex Spring re-signs with the Lizards. Chris Eslanian, who was a Rookie of the Year candidate last year, he signs back with Denver. And Andrew Q, who we had on our podcast as well, scored that game-winning goal in the MLL Championship that gave the Bayhawks their sixth title in franchise history, re-signs with the Bayhawks. Uh, a few other moves that happened. Denver Outlaws acquired Brian Cromandy from the Connecticut Hammerheads in exchange for a fourth-round pick. The Boston Cannons trade Connor O'Hara to the New York Lizards for Scott Corcoran. This move was obviously made because of the wealth of attack that they have acquired with the likes of Randy Stotts, Brian Cole, and Bryce Wasserman. So those are your latest moves in the MLL. Now for the PLL. Westburg inked a three-year contract extension with the Water Dogs, and Max Tuttle signed a two-year contract extension with the Chrome. And then finally, the PLL announced their tour stops. The previously announced Weeks were week one, they go to Boston. Week two, they go to Atlanta. Week three, they go to Long Island. Week four, they go to Baltimore. Week five, they go to Dallas. And week six, they go to Minneapolis. Uh, They still haven't revealed week seven, which is the all-star game that is to be announced. And then they recently announced Portland will be week eight. Raleigh, North Carolina will be week nine. Albany, New York will be week 10. Salt Lake City will be week 11. And they'll end the regular season with week 12 at Denver. All right, so that's our quick stick. Um, So, Dan, obviously Rob Pinnell has announced that he is joining the PLL for 2020, uh, to no surprise to anyone. Um, And then we had some other guys that are coming over. I think everybody on your original list that you announced, the eight people, uh, was correctly predicted on this list. And then there's a few big surprises, uh, particularly, you know, Zach Courier and Dylan Ward. But uh, let me just read out all the people that will be joining the PLL this summer. You have Jesse Bernhardt, who played for the Chesapeake Bayhawks last season and won a championship with them. His brother, Jake, is currently in the league with the Whipsnakes. Uh, you have Craig Chick, who uh, was a rookie out of Lehigh last season and played with the Rattlers and was also a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. You had TJ Camizio, a short-stick defensive mini out of Villanova, who really made a huge impact on the Blaze last season. Zach Courier. One of the biggest names on this list played with the Denver Outlaws last season and currently plays with the Calgary Roughnecks in the NLL. Eli Gobrecht, uh, he played with the Outlaws for the past couple seasons, um, as well as plays for the San Diego Seals. Uh, he was hampered by some injuries last season, but he seems to be fully healthy now, headed into 2020. Josh Hawkins, uh, coming out of retirement. Uh, this one was pretty surprising. He most recently played for the Outlaws. 
a graduate of Loyola and a defensive-minded midfielder. Brendan Cavanaugh, brother of Matt Cavanaugh, who played on the Outlaws last season, has entered the PLL. Christian Mazzone, a former Rutgers guy, actually sat out the whole season in 2018, did not see the field, um, and then really uh, took his first shot with the Atlanta Blaze last season in strides and um, really produced for that high-powered offense. So it's good to see him joining the league. Donnie Moss, a, a 10-year veteran of professional lacrosse, he's joining the PLL. Jason Noble, uh, another you know veteran defender who also plays in the NLL with the Georgia Swarm. Then Greg Puskalgian, a face-off guy who was with the Lizards last season, uh, he enters the draft as the only face-off guy in this entry draft and could be a prime candidate for a team like the Redwoods. Rylan Reese, long stick midfielder with the Boston Cannons and defender with the Rochester Nighthawks. Uh, he was a rookie out of Stony Brook. Um, I see him going pretty high on this list. Finn Sullivan, uh, a defender who's been in the MLL for a couple seasons now with the Outlaws. Zed Williams played with the Cannons last season, is with the Georgia Swarm. Uh, originally played with Virginia in college. A really multi-dimensional player uh, that I think will fit, fit in really well with the PLL. And then finally, the biggest shocker to me, Dylan Ward, starting goaltender of the Outlaws, has announced that he is joining the PLL as the only goaltender available in this entry draft. So that's your list of guys. Uh, you know, all these guys have strong resumes. Um, you know, the list is smaller than we expected, but the players entering this PLL entry draft couldn't be any stronger. Yeah, you know, I, I had said... Uh... Of course, that I thought, you know, and I had heard uh, that Dylan Ward was was expected to be going back to Denver. Uh, I think Denver was confident that that was going to get done, and uh, it looks like that, that didn't, you know, work out there. Um, you know, I, I do get the impression that this is a list of guys that the that the MLL was was ready for. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think there were too many names on this list where the MLL was like, "Oh my God, what?" So. Mm -hmm. um, you know, looking at, at the names that are on it, Dylan Ward, of course, is, is one of the best goalies in the world. Um, you know, you see him play for Team Canada in, in the summer games and, and stuff like that, and you, you're just blown away by his ability to stop the ball from from all distances, from all angles. He's just an incredibly gifted goalie. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, excels there's, in the and excel. Just to add to that, he excels in the NLL too. I I still, you know, me and Adam go back and forth, and I, I think he's. Uh, you know, the top goaltender right now in the NLL. Um, you know, there's obviously some great goaltenders in that, and it's a different game, but he just shows how versatile he is of a, a goaltender. Yeah, and I, you, of course, I can't get enough of the trade board meme. That's also that's always a ton of fun. <laughs> of course. Um, but looking down this list, you're, you, you know, what jumps out at you immediately is the uh, is the defensive talent that's on it. Um, the uh, two of the three defensive player of the year finalists in the MLL are here in. Um, you know, Finn Sullivan and Craig Chick. So, you know, there's there's some serious, serious firepower on the defensive end here. And it's not just, you know, the, the close defenders who can't get involved. A lot of these guys are guys who can push the ball, who can create, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's Bernhardt or a Ryland Reese or, um, you know, even like a, a Finn Sullivan or a Craig Chick can, can put the ball on the ground and then bring it up the field for you. Um, you know, there's been a lot of really good uh, go-back highlights on, on Twitter and everything the last, you know, since the list was announced, too. So, you know, there's some, some really dynamic defensive and, and two-way talent on here. You know, whether it's it's Courier, who, um, 
you know, again, sort of in, in more recent times, it looked more like he was going to be a PLL guy, and that, of course, became official today. But, you know, Christian Mazzone is a guy who had 40 ground balls and 40 goals in the regular season in the MLL last year, and um, if memory serves, he was the only guy who did that in the mm-hmm. entire league. So, you know, he's he's an impact guy. And then um, Camizio is, is, you know, really probably going to be listed as a short stick D midi, but he's he's going to be a transition threat. He's a, he's a big athletic kid. So, you know, there's there's those kind of guys who you, you see immediately the way they'll fit into the PLL schemes. No, absolutely. I mean, and you mentioned Mazzone, too. He didn't even suit up his, his rookie season in 2018 and uh, got his first stint, you know, with the Atlanta Blaze last season. He, he mentioned how thankful he was for that. Um, but, you know, he's excited to join one of his buddies in uh, Jules Henningberg in the PLL. You know, I think he he could, perchance, uh, drop down to the Redwoods. I don't know if they take him, you know, because they do have a lot of depth at the the midfield position but um you know again nothing's off limits i guess for these teams there's just so much talent that it's actually harder to predict where guys will end up yeah yeah i would agree i sort of started breaking down looking at teams and stuff like that i'm sure we're going to talk about that in a second but trying to figure out who's going to take who is 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 really not easy because you have to start considering who was on the field for these teams in year one Mm -hmm. and and whose spot these guys are taking you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure these guys aren't coming over here to, to just sit on their couch on Saturdays when they don't get a call to dress. These guys are here to play. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they're they're taking somebody's spot, and, you know, the roster's only 18 guys. So, um, you know, trying to figure out the guy that's getting bumped out to make room for these guys is, is not easy. No, not at all. And, you know, we mentioned, too, how on, on our last podcast episode how, you know, we're expecting, you know, a bigger pool of guys to come over. We were, you know, looking 25, 30 range ended up only being 16. But I think that's, you know, it makes a lot of sense because all these 16 guys had the chance to be an all-star next season. And honestly, you know, probably some guys that maybe were considering it knew what they would be competing against and chose to, you know, maybe stay in the MLL. And, um, I think, you know, you got, even though there's only 16 guys coming over the PLL, it's loads of talent. Um, I, I, Kind of wonder too, though, if the the PLL knew it was going to be this low. You know, when they plan only two rounds for the the entry draft, so you know, really only two guys will go undrafted and they'll enter the the player pool. But um, yeah, I don't know. It th- this draft is, is stacked right now. You know, you, between this and the college draft, I think teams are going to look vastly different than what they were in year one. Yeah, yeah, like you said, two of these guys are going to go undrafted in the entry draft, and they'll and they'll hit the player pool. And they'll leave that player pool pretty quickly because, mm-hmm. you know, again, th- these aren't the kind of guys that sit in the player pool or, or, or you know, really bounce around from, from team to team, dressing for one team and then hitting the player pool and suiting up for another team next week. These, these are guys that are impact players. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, we have an article out um, that kind of lists the best spots for these guys to land. Um, but, you know, let's kind of go through some of the, the, the bigger names um, and, you know, where we think they would best fit. I, I will start off with Rob Pinnell. We... We both think he'll go number one. I don't think that's still changed for me. Um, I still personally would take him number one, despite you know the addition of Courier and Ward. Um, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that he doesn't. Um, so let's say he doesn't go to the Water Dogs. Where do you think he'd end up? Um, do you see a team maybe trading up to get him? Or do you see a team like the Chrome or Atlas, uh, him falling to the Chrome or Atlas if you know the Water Dogs don't take him number one? Joe Keegan has done a really good job sort of breaking this down after this news came out today, talking about how Copeland has been very outspoken about his desire for versatility and doesn't want to be a team that needs to do a lot of subbing to get Mm -hmm. their guys on and off the field. Um, Courier 
solves that for them. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who can play on both ends of the field and, and can be impactful as, you know, incredibly impactful on the offensive end, obviously, but, you know, is, is meaningful on the defensive end, is meaningful in transition. So, you know, for, for him to go number one, I, I think is, is less and less of a surprise. Or, you know, Joe Keegan again earlier tonight was saying he's spoken to some coaches who, who all seem to think that Courier is going to go number one. Mm-hmm. So, um, knowing what, what Copeland's done so far, I think Courier might be a, uh, a guy you see there go one um for for pinnell you know if courier goes to the water dogs you know the chrome is second and i don't know if they would take him given the attack they already have mm-hmm. you know i think like, i think they like what they have in jordan wolf mm-hmm. um and and he's going to be that guy that plays it x for them and you know he's obviously a, a team usa all world player so um not that rob isn't but you know it's it, and I'm sure if they wanted to, they could make that fit. But I, I think you know, it's more enticing for them maybe to try and trade out of that spot because mm-hmm. if Courier's not there, I, I think they can get an awful lot um, for somebody trying to trade up for for Pinnell. You know, even if it's the Atlas moving up one spot, um, I've I've been saying, and I, I would just love the fit of of Rob Pinnell on the Archers, just play him at X mm-hmm. with Holman, I do too. Holman, yeah, Holman and Manny, and just. And just watch goals just pile up left and right. Mm-hmm. There's no shot he makes it to four. So if the archers really want him, they have they have to trade up. He won't make it past the Atlas, even if no trades happen, mm-hmm. and the Chrome for for some incredible reason were to pass on him. Um, so you know, I think I think the archers would be a fit where I think he would he would do really well. The Atlas are are a fit that makes sense. Um, if they trade, I could see them trading up for him just because. You know, playing him at attack with uh, with Ryan Brown and and Eric Law is another another great situation where you're going to just watch goals get pumped in by that attack unit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it's not the worst thing in the world that you know they're all the same hand or anything like that. So they can they can make that work. Uh, I I could see that maybe happening. I know when when Rob was first announced as a guy that was coming. There was kind of the sentiment like if he winds up on the Atlas, it's because Rabel fixed it and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. I think if they have to trade up to get him, they're going to give up an awful lot um, to do so. And the the Atlas have other needs as well. They lost to the Water Dogs in expansion. Ryan Conrad, Noah Richard, um, you know Steve Napoli. So they have needs at, at the midfield, mm-hmm. and they and they addressed that a little bit with uh, with with trading for Romar, but. You know, like we said earlier, you look at sort of some of the defensive talent and the and the two way midi talent that's there. You know, there's it's it's a possibility that they could go a different way. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and I, I think that's what's going to make this draft so interesting. Is um, I personally think how it's going to shake out is I think every you know team kind of stays put. I think Water Dogs take Rob Pinnell at number one. I think the Chrome end up going with a uh, Dylan Ward in. Cage, I th- I think you know he's too valuable to pass up. They're uh, probably the team that has the strongest need at goaltender right now. Uh, you could put the Water Dogs in that category too because we we don't know what we're gonna get from Cipriano. He hasn't started in a few years. Um, I still think he's starting caliber, but you know Dylan Ward is an all-world goaltender in both field and indoor. So he has the the caliber. He has the resume. Um, and then I think you know the. I think Zach Curry ends up on the Atlas and gives them that dual threat, you know, a two-way midi that they're lacking, you know, losing DiNapoli, um, you know, losing no Richard obviously is an LSM, but, you know, he kind of fills that void um, for them, you know, in having a defensive-minded midfielder uh, who can also obviously score 
on the offensive side, um, as we've seen, you know, being a transition guy in the NLL and, you know, being an offensive midi with the Outlaws last season. Um, but I think it really comes down if the Water Dogs take Courier, like we could see a massive shakeup. Um, I don't know. Do you think maybe the Chrome swap picks with the Archers where the Archers move up to two in the entry draft and then give up their number one to the Chrome and then they move down to four in the college draft and um, and the Chrome moved down to four in the entry draft. I, I don't think that would be out of the realm of possibility. What, what do you think of that move? Yeah, well, the, you know, the thing with the Archers is, you know, like we said, I, I, and I've said I, I love Pinnell as a fit for them, but they can, Chris Bates can also just sit there and be like, all right, look, if he doesn't fall to me at four, fine. I'm going to take my guy, Michael Sowers, yep. number one in the college draft, and I'm good with that. I can yep. play Michael Sowers at X and be pretty happy. But, you know, mm-hmm. Michael Sowers is about as electrifying of a prospect as, as there's been a long time, and you can see what he's doing already and just how much he would he would absolutely be a, a, a force on that on that Archer's team in a six-on-six set. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think... I think the Archers, if I'm Chris Bates, I'm less inclined to try and move because I have the number one pick in the college draft, and whatever need I maybe don't totally address in this draft, I can take the first guy I want out of college to address it there. Um, or, again, I, you know, trade out of that pick uh, for a King's Ransom because there there will be people who will want Sowers, or, you know, if, if somebody decides they'd rather have Amen or somebody else like that, mm-hmm. you know, then... Um, They'll be able to do that, but I, I think that pick is going to be Sowers. That's what people are going to be trading for. But you know, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I think the Archers are less inclined to try and move. I would, I would think that if if Courier doesn't go, I don't think Courier makes it out of the top two picks. I think he's he's going to the Water Dogs or he's going to the Chrome. I think mm-hmm. Pinnell Courier happens in some order there. Um, I'm with you on Dylan Ward. I think I think he's great. I think uh, you know the Water Dogs have. You know they have six open spots on the roster, and there's there's lots of opportunities to get a goalie. There's not that many goalie openings in the PLL, mm-hmm. um, you know. So we'll see sort of who fills that spot. Dylan Ward's going to fill one of them, and then you've really only got one or two more gigs that are open for for the yeah. guys in college. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I I can't imagine Zach Courier making it past the Chrome. Making, um, you know, the 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 need for a guy like him on that team is is just so great. There's they, they need that kind of player. You yeah. know, we, you, the midfielders that they still have, you know, the Donowski and, and Crotty and, and those guys are, are really solid players. Crotty is still a really special offensive player. Um, Donowski is a really solid offensive player. But those those guys aren't, you know, the, the two-way type guys anymore. And, you know, that's that's the kind of guy they need to add to that roster a little bit. I, I can't imagine Courier making it past the crumb. Yeah, no, I, I only say that because they do have a guy like a Jordan McIntosh there. Um, you know, Max Tuttle just signed an extension. Um, yeah, and, and I John think that... Manigan too, and, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I could. I mean, I, I, I sort of see that a little bit, but, you know, if if you're in the PLL, and, and this is no disrespect to those players who were all really, really good. Absolutely, I'm yeah. a huge, huge John Rannigan fan, but if the first midfield line you send out on offense is, is Rannigan, Tuttle, and Jordan McIntosh, is that is that enough? Is that enough firepower? I'm not totally convinced mm-hmm. I don't know. yeah and I think it comes down to the age-old question which you know all professional sports uh deal with it's like do you take the biggest need that you have because I think their biggest need right now is in cage I think Galloway you know is definitely a capable starter um I think he's you know starting to lose a step a little bit um and I think they would have a huge upgrade there with Dylan Ward but again 
the other question is, do you take the best player available? And right yeah, now, best player, best need, yeah. And yeah. right now, the best player available uh, is both Zach Curry and Rob Pinnell. And like you said, you don't see either of them making it past uh, two. So you know that's the question that Coach Sudan and uh, Coach Copeland are going to have to to make. And you know we can speculate all we want, but ultimately it's up to them to decide. You know what's going to be best for their future going forward. Um, is it a Rob Pinnell? Is it a Zach Courier? Uh, or is it you know Dylan Ward? And um, those are you know who we think are the top three in this draft. Um, but yeah, after that it kind of gets a little gets a little more interesting. You know if Dylan Ward doesn't go to the Chrome. I I think you know I, I think maybe he falls to say a Redwoods or a Chaos. I mean I know the Redwoods already have Tim Troutner who was their star last year, and obviously Jack Kelly. Many people think is going to get a start in this league at some point. Um, but again, to me, Dylan Ward is that top caliber goaltender. So um, it's tough where where he falls. And you know kind of let's talk about uh, you know Jesse Bernhardt who many, I think, consider the top pole in this draft, which is loaded with, um, you know, tons of defensive players. Um, where do you think Jesse Bernhardt could end up? Yeah, you know, if I'm if I'm looking for poles, I'm looking probably the, the guys I'm targeting first are, are guys like Jesse and guys like Ryland Reese. Um, you know, Reese is a guy who I thought might make sense for the Atlas at three. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of replace Noah Richard a little bit I there. I think he's a, he's, a, he's a perfect replacement for Noah Richard. Um, and, and so I, you know, that was a move I kind of like to see, you know, Bernhardt is a guy who's going to be, you know, in the mix in transition, who's going to be in the mix on the offensive end, who's, who's dynamic and can play down low, who can play on wings, can do the, the pole spot for you. Um, it really sort of depends on how teams feel about the current polls that they have, you know, describing him that way. Obviously he's also a guy who would fit on the, in and on the Atlas and, mm-hmm. and be that sort of replacement for, for Noah that, um, that they're looking for. Noah was a guy who played down low for them sometimes played on wings, did the whole thing, hit it two this year. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a good fit there. I don't know if I would see him go into the archers. I think the archers, you know, didn't really lose much in the way on the defensive end to, um, to the expansion draft. And I they were the top defense in, the, in the league yeah, too. So, yeah, you know, they're, they're a top defense with solid goaltending as it is. So, that makes sense. If he makes it to five, that's where the whips are. And, I mean, there's no way they pass taking, putting the Bernhards together. No, right? absolutely. Like, yeah. Even with even with Earhart there and the defense that's that good, mm-hmm. I feel like the Bernhards being united is just something that we would just love to see happen. So, um, you know, I don't think he would make it further than that. The place that I think a, a team that would really need a guy like him is a team like the Chaos, who, um, you know, they lose Brody Merrill, who's, who's sort of a defensive leader. And a, and a guy at the center of that defense, um, replacing Brody is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a guy with experience like Jesse Bernhardt is, is, a, is a good place to start. You know, guys I thought that could make sense there were Jer- uh, Jesse or, or even a Jason Noble who's on the list. Um, you know, sort of the Brody Merrill protege replacing Brody Merrill would be, would be kind of poetic and kind mm-hmm. of nice for the chaos, but... Yeah, you know, those are the places where I think I could see Jesse going or, or some of these polls winding up. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, I think, you know, it starts to get a little bit more interesting towards those bottom spots, you know. Um, I mean, it, then it, it kind of gets into the, the places like where can you fill the best need? You know, after you get through the top three, um, you know, you, you have a lot of defenders, so it depends on which one these guys want to take. Um, then you got, you know, a guy like Greg Puskalgian, like, do the Redwoods take him and kind of fill that face-off need? Or at least have somebody, you know, to kind of, um, you know, 
be be there in case they aren't able to get one in the college draft. I mean, that's an interesting proposition. And the other thing about this draft that um, was just recently revealed is it's not a serpentine draft. So the Water Dogs will get the eighth pick. Um, and, you know, I mentioned the chaos. They have some needs on the defensive side of the ball and also the defensive midi. They're going to pick at number seven and number 14. So they kind of got the short end of the stick on this. Um, I I think if I, I'm then, though, I definitely take a poll uh, with that seventh pick. Um, and then I hope that, you know, TJ Camizio maybe falls down to them at that last pick so that they can kind of, you know, replace the Kyle McClancy um, that they lost in the Water Dogs to the Water Dogs in the expansion draft. Um, but, you know, Coach Towers definitely has his hands full uh, with this one. So I wonder, too, if they use some of their attackmen that they have on the roster as leverage to maybe move up in this entry draft, given that they are in a bad spot drafting at 7 and 14. Yeah, yeah, you know, when I was doing this, too, Camizio to, to the chaos was something I sort of penciled in as, as something that I thought was a good fit, and a place where I think that would be, you know, the kind of place where you could expect a guy like Camizio to get drafted was mm-hmm. in that sort of that late first round, early second round kind of spot, um, and he's obviously a good fit for the chaos with their need, with, with Kyle McClancy leaving for um, for the Water Dogs, so, you know, but like you said, with it not being serpentine, Coach Towers is probably going to have to make a choice between taking one of those experienced poles that can play at the center of the defense or taking TJ Camizio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, because whichever one he takes, the other one isn't going to be there at 14. Yeah. Um, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's not going to be around. So, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see how he decides to play that. I think a lot of that might have to do with how he evaluates what's coming out of college and, and where he thinks he can, he can get the most there. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're looking at this and you're seeing all these polls and then be like, all right, I can get one of these guys who I really feel good about. And then I'll roll the dice in the college draft. And maybe I'll try and get Dirth or Tarafenko or something like that to replace Kyle McClancy. You know, that might be better than trying to, to grab a pole in this college draft or a close defenseman in this college draft, which might not be there at the level of talent that you're looking at in the, in the entry player draft. No, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think that's definitely what stands out to me most about this entry draft. It's very defensive heavy where the college draft, um, you know, is more offensive, midi, uh, attackman heavy. Um, But there's, before we wrap up this discussion, there's one team uh, we mentioned a little bit, we didn't really talk about, but they have some major needs and that's the defending champs, the Whip Snakes. They need attackmen, um, which really just aren't available in this entry draft, uh, you know, with, you know, really Rob Pinnell being the only attackman available what do you think they're kind of looking to do? Do you think they take a Christian Mazzone to kind of replace, you know, that Drew Snyder that they kind of lost in the expansion draft? Um, do you think they maybe try to trade up somehow? You know, they, they don't really have the picks right now to, to do that. Um, but what do you think their strategy is? What's the strategy for um, Coach Stagnita on draft day? Yeah, well, you know, the, the Whips lose. They lose Reeves. They lose Drenner. They lose Connor Kelly and they lose Drew Schneider, and that's that's it's it's tough because those are all such different pieces of what they did. So it's not like you can try and grab a guy to to fit a bunch of you know to to just sort of erase that. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't. It feels a little too early to try and take Christian Mazzone at, at five. You know, one one guy I think they could take, even though he might not necessarily, he, he might seem a little square peg in a round hole ish. But Zed Williams can do so much on offense. I was thinking the same a, thing. And he's mm-hmm. and he's such a versatile guy. He's such a good goal scorer. He's gonna, be, you know, he's a guy where you can sort of pick the spot you want to play him in. He's one of those, you know, they have the A and the M next to his name for a reason. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, his sort of versatility 
uh, and I, I think, you know, sort of the, the quick rush is going to be on, you know, Pinnell, Courier, and then I think Atlas might, you know, if, if Atlas goes defense um, and Archers doesn't let Zed Williams go by, which, you know, again, Zed Williams playing and, and sort of pairs offense is something that I'm sure Chris Bates loves the idea of. You know, if, if Zed Williams gets by there, I think that would be a, a great pick for the Whips to try and, you know, have somebody they can they can manipulate their offense with a little bit. They can move him to a lot of different spots, and he can be effective in somebody's spot. But, you know, I, I think the Whips would go with a guy like that. No, I, I like that pick a lot. I think, you know, he's a he's another deep threat that they can add. Um, he can play, you know, the two-man game from the wing, either, you know, if he's, you know, inverting with Rambo or if he's going with a John Haas. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like um, that pick as well. And, you know, there are, are guys, too, on the Whip Snakes. A guy like, you know, a Dylan Maltz that didn't really see much time last season, played with Rambo at Maryland. Uh, you know, those are guys that might, you know, step up in the absence of some of these guys that they lost. So uh, I don't think it's all doom and gloom for the Whip Snakes. You know, they're still the defending champs for a reason. They still have that big defensive core. Um, you know, they have the two-point king and Mike Chanichuk uh, still there. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting to see what, what they're kind of looking. They still have to kind of bide their time with this entry draft um, and, and fill those needs at attack and kind of wait kind of for the, the college draft to do so. But, um, yeah, definitely interesting. Um, you know, I, I really don't think this entry draft is going to be easy to nail down just because there are there is just such a wealth of talent. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a ripple effect depending on who goes number one. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a thing where if somebody really decides Zach Courier is that, is that special of a two-way guy and they love his fit for this league and they think they can pry him away from, from Copeland, maybe a team just opens up the bank to try and to try and move up. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you look sort of at, at where fits are and where that guy that fits, you know, where, where needs are and where that fit might fall in the draft. There's, there's just teams that look like they would want to shuffle spots just a little bit here and there, you know. So maybe teams try and do that with their second-round picks or something like that. They try and shuffle, you know, as, as the thing goes on and see if they can come up with something to grab a guy that slides a little bit or – you know, move up to grab somebody that that's, they decide is really special. Um, yeah, I think, you know, where Dylan Ward goes is going to be really interesting. The goalie play in the PLL was so, so good. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to imagine one of those guys losing their job to an entry draft player. But this is, you know, like you said, this is Dylan Ward we're talking about. So um, I think just about every team in the league, you know, is, is somebody that would make sense. You know, I, I even think, you know, if, if he made it to the chaos, it's the chaos is a team that has an open goalie spot. And I know they have plays Reardon, but, you know, if, if you're telling me if a team only has one goalie on the roster and they can take Dylan Ward, they're not going to do it. Um, you know, that's that's. I, I think that would be something that would happen. I don't know if he even makes it to seven, though. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think he's going to go undrafted in this entry draft, no, that's for sure. he's not going to go undrafted. <laughs> he's going to be playing for somebody. Yeah. Now, the Water Dogs have one goalie, but I don't know if he's going to go first overall. Yeah. That would be the curveball of all curveballs here. I don't even want to comprehend a mock draft where Dylan Ward goes first overall. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's possible. The teams that need a goalie that makes sense, you know, the Water Dogs need a backup. The Chrome, I can see it. Maybe they're trying to get, you know, somebody else in there um, to push Galloway and, and Queener and, and see if somebody just steps up and wins that job there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe, you know, we didn't see much of Dan Morris for the Whip Snakes in the backup spot, so maybe there's somebody who can push that. Mm-hmm. And then... The Chaos have obviously an open spot on the roster from 
from the expansion draft, and those are sort of the, I, the way I see it. Those are the only places where goalies really open. I, I can't imagine the Woods with Trautner and Jack Kelly being like, let's bring in somebody else. Um, I'm sure they feel really good about those two guys. So, and yeah. obviously the the Archers are, I'm sure, are feeling great about their situation as well. They played two goalies last summer, and it and it worked well for them. So. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, going to be interesting. and uh, We will have some mock drafts for you guys come Monday, as well as a podcast episode recapping uh, this entry draft and who goes where uh, You know, later the next week. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Unfortunately, you know, one of our shorter episodes, we did have a lot um, to talk about with the NLL that we had to cut because we just didn't feel like it was appropriate with the NLL season ending. Hopefully, though, in the coming weeks, we'll be able to get back on the NLL grind and, uh, you know, provide some more coverage for you. Um, but in the meantime, you know, just enjoy, you know, spending time with uh, your family and friends. Take care of each other and uh, make sure you're taking all appropriate measures. Uh, but with that, that wraps up episode 72. We hope you guys tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today.